Okay, so we are going to basically pick up where we left off, but we're also going to go backwards a little bit in time, go back to some of the earlier episodes that we've touched on. I want to start with a little story. Story is told about the Panovitcher Rav, Rav Yosef Kahanamin. I think I mentioned him in a story last week. Um, this is a different kind of story. Um, Rav Yosef Kahanamin was a he was a rabbi in Panovich in, in Poland, I assume, um, and uh, before the war, and he survived the Holocaust. He went to Israel and he founded the great Panovich Yeshiva, one of the largest yeshivas in Israel, on a little hilltop out right in, 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 or at the time now it's in, I think maybe at the time it was outside of B'nai Brak, and uh, really was an amazing visionary. He came and he said, we're going to build a yeshiva here, you know, out of the ashes, basically. And he built it up. Well, he was once on a fundraising trip to America and he was traveling in New York and he was on the subway and he found himself in a subway car with some young men who didn't look too friendly. And he became nervous that they would try to mug him. So he was trying to think quickly what, what he could do. So he suddenly had the idea. He took a paper out of his pocket that had an address on it. And he asked them, how do I, how do I get to this address? He showed it to them. So they, seeing an opportunity, they, they said, oh, actually, if you, if you get off with us at the next stop, we'll be able to direct you to that address. So they pull up to the next stop and uh, the door is open and they're all getting ready to get off. And Rabbi Kahanaman says, please, you know, why don't you guys lead the way? And uh, as you might guess, he took his time getting him, you know, arranging his coat or whatever, or grabbing his bags. And uh, they, were, they were standing on the uh, outside the train and the automatic doors closed. And uh, he left them there on the side on the subway stop. And he moved on to the next stop on the subway. So... Uh, so he, he escaped that and uh, he recounted the story to a student and he, he told him, you know, you know what, you want to know where I got that idea? I got that idea from Yaakov, from Jacob. We read in the Parsha, in, back in uh, Parsha Svayishlach, so it's actually on the source sheet, we have a few verses here. So in source number one, so this is really, we're picking up where we left off in the story. Last week, we had Yaakov preparing to meet up with his brother Esav. Esav was coming with 400 men and Yaakov knew, Jacob knew that Esav wanted him dead. He was worried. We talked about the preparations Yaakov made. He prayed, he sent gifts, he, uh, he, he divided up his, his camp. And uh, but finally he meets up with, with Esav and it's, uh, it turns out, okay, you know, it turns out to be a friendly meeting. And then, we could pick up here, chapter 33, verse 12. It says, thereupon, he, Esav, said, travel and we will go and I will go alongside you. He said, let's, let's travel together now, you know, like good brothers, you know, we'll, we'll go on together. So Yaakov says back and he said to him, my master knows that the children are tender and the flocks and the cattle, which are raising their young, depend on me. And if they overdrive them one day, all the flocks will die. Basically, he says, you know, we can't move so fast. We have young children. We, I have, I have nursing, nursing sheep, etc., and uh, young, young flocks. 
Now let my master go ahead before his servant, and I will move at my own slow pace according to the pace of the work that is before me and according to the pace of the children until I come to my master to say her. So Yaakov says, don't worry, Esau, you go ahead, you go to Seir, and I'll meet you there. Well, Yaakov never met Esau in Seir. He, uh, he stopped, he got off at an earlier stop on the subway. In this, in this case, he got off early. Esau, moved on, Esau agreed, he moved on to Seir, and Yaakov stopped in an earlier town in Sukkot. So Rashi recounts this, Rashi says, until I come to my master to Seir, he told him of a longer journey. Although he intended to go only as far as Sukkos, that was the name of the place where he went. He said to himself, if he intends to harm me, he will wait until I come to him. But he did not go to Seir. He did not go. And that's how he, he avoided he avoided Esav. So actually, the so the Panavicharav of Yosef Karman, he said, this is where I got the idea. You know, you say, go ahead, I'll catch up with you. And then you don't catch up with them. And that's that, that was the idea. And the truth is that it's actually a, a passage in the, in the Talmud that says to do exactly this. The Talmud talks about if a person finds themselves in this very type of situation, you're walking with someone on the road and you're nervous that maybe they might be dangerous. So it says, uh, it says, um, ask him where he's going and, uh, and basically say, oh, you know, I'm going there too. And then try to Get off earlier because he might wait till till the last minute. If let's say this person means you harm, so so the longer if they think they have a longer time to you know more opportunities, so they might they might delay towards near the end of the journey to 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 bring the person harm. So the Talmud says that this is this is this is advice that we learned from from Yaakov from this very episode. It says actually that Rabbi Akiva, um, the students of Rabbi Akiva, were traveling to a place called Kaziv, and they, they bumped into some bandits on the road, and they did just this. They said, um, you know, where are you going? And the bandits, you know, they said, where are you going? They said, we're going to Kaziv. They told them a, a far-off place. Sorry, they, they told them Akko, which is further north, and and uh, so the bandits said, oh, we'll come with you, you know, waiting for the exact opportunity to get them, uh, but actually the students got off in Kaziv. They, they, they left the road there. They left early, and they avoided the... Uh, the dangerous situation. So they took this advice. This was the advice that uh, also the Panavicharov was able to uh, to apply in his own in his own situation. Um, but really, we're, I want to talk about Yaakov. Yaakov engages here in a little trick of Esav to uh, to save himself. Now, obviously, to save oneself, you know, there's no question that somebody that this would be permitted, you know, to to trick someone in this way. Um, but it's interesting because Yaakov doesn't see, doesn't seem that Yaakov was always this way, that maybe he was so cunning that he would be able to come up with something like this on the spot. The way that we describe Yaakov at the, when he's first a child, when he's a young boy, a young man, is quite different than this. If we go all the way back to uh, chapter 25, where we're first introduced to Yaakov and Esau, so you take a look at the second source. It says, chapter 25, verse 20, 27, and the youths grew up, and Esau was a man who understood hunting, a man of the field, whereas Jacob was an innocent man dwelling in tents. The word innocent, in the Hebrew, it's the word tam. He was pure. He was innocent. <coughs> so Rashi explains, so Esau was one who understood hunting. What kind of hunting? Trapping. 
So not just was he a hunter, but Rashi explains he knew how to trap and deceive his father with his mouth. He was, he was a trickster. He could deceive. He was able to, to deceive his father Yitzchak into thinking that he was a much better guy than he actually was. Um, but Yaakov was an innocent man. The next source, next Rashi says, he was not an expert in all these matters. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't an expert in tricking like Esav. It wasn't his forte. Like his heart, so was his mouth. He was tum, he was pure. What you saw, what, was, what came out was what was going on inside as well. Person who's lying, so that means that somebody who's deceiving, so what comes out is not what's actually going on inside. What comes out is not what a person's thinking, is not what a person is feeling. They are deceiving us. But, uh, but Yaakov is, is Tom, he's pure. That what comes out is what, what's going on inside as well. So he wasn't a trickster, a person who was, and Rashi actually says explicitly, a person who is not astute at deceiving is called Tom, innocent. So Yaakov is defined literally when he's a young man as a Tom, he's somebody who's simple, simple in that he's, he's pure. He's what's inside is what's out. He was not astute at tricking. That wasn't what he, what he was known for. And he's even described, he wasn't, he wasn't good at it. It wasn't his, his, his strength. And what did he do? He was dwelling in tents, it says. What does it mean he was dwelling in tents? So R Rashi tells us from the Midrash, the tent of shame and the tent of Aver. Shame and Aver were, uh, were known as the, uh, the heads of the yeshiva of that time. Shame was actually one of the sons of Noah, and uh, Aver was a descendant of his. And... And they were the, the teachers of Torah of that time, whatever exactly that meant, the tradition of Torah that they had before, this is before the Torah is given at Sinai, but there was a Torah that was being studied, um, handed down from, I guess, from already from, from Adam, from Adam, that something that maybe some of these, some of these great uh, luminaries were able to discern through, through their divine inspiration and through prophecy. So Yaakov was known as somebody who was pure and somebody who was dwelling in tents. He was somebody who was engaged in Torah study. That's who Yaakov was. So he wasn't always this, this skilled um, trickster that he seems to become later in his life. Um, what makes it more fascinating is we've mentioned already a few times that Yaakov is known actually for his trait of emes, of truth, of honesty. We've mentioned that Avraham is known for chesed, for kindness. Yitzchak is known for gevura, for strength or restraint. Um, that's God-fearing. He was very, you know, in control. And uh, Yaakov is known for his attribute of truth, of emes. And it's in fact a verse in the book of Micha and the prophets. So in the book of Micha, it says in chapter seven, it's, it's actually a, a prophecy or a prayer for the future um, when God will forgive all our sins. And it says there, you shall give the truth of Jacob, the loving kindness of Abraham, which you swore to our forefathers from days of yore. So we're praying to God. Or it's a prophecy that God will give us truth, whatever that is, and loving kindness, but it, it attributes the truth of Jacob, the, and in the Hebrew, it's Emes the Yaakov, that Yaakov is associated with Emes, with truth. And, uh, and while Abraham represents kindness and Yitzchak represents might or maybe justice 
and Yaakov represents MS, truth. So it becomes even more interesting because if we look throughout Yaakov's life, besides for right here when we're first introduced to him, we don't really necessarily get that sense that he's such a man of truth. Um, we have numerous occasions where he seems perhaps to act not, not fully with this attribute. One can argue that when he convinces Esav to sell him the rights of the firstborn, maybe there was a little bit of trickery involved there. Maybe he tricked him a little bit. Well, definitely could, could explain that there wasn't trickery there, but from, you know, at first glance, maybe, maybe. Certainly when he steals away the blessings from Esav, he has to trick his father. Now, maybe he deserved that. Maybe he had the rights to do that, but he engages in, in trickery. In fact, if you look in source four, verse, um, I think it's on the second page already. Um, yeah, verse 35 in, uh, in, in source number four on page two. So when Esav comes back and he says to his father, Yitzchak, you know, bless me. And Yitzchak says, your brother already was already here. You know, who was it that was already here? So he says, your brother came with cunning and took your blessing. He came with mirma, cunning. He, he, he tricked me and he got the blessing. So there again, we have very clearly Yaakov tricks Yitzchak. Doesn't seem to fit with this attribute of emes. If you look at the next source, number five, we learned about this, uh, I think, a couple of two weeks ago, um, that when, uh, when Yaakov, he runs away from, from his home to, to avoid Esav, he ends up in Haran. He's running away to his uncle Lavan, and he ends up at a well, and he outside the well, he meets Rachel, Rachel, who is going to eventually be his wife. And Rachel warns him, that you have to be careful when dealing with Lavan. So the Talmud recounts the following conversation in source number five. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother. So it says, and he told, right? That's, what he, that's the language he uses. He said to her, Yaakov said, I'm your father's brother. But he wasn't actually her father's brother, right? His mother was, he, he was her father was his uncle. Her father was a brother to his mother, but he was not her father's brother. So what did he mean? That he was her father's brother. So the Talmud says, was he, Jacob, in fact, her father's brother? Wasn't he the son of her father's sister? Rather, it must be understood that when Jacob met Rachel, he said to her, will you marry me? She said to him, yes, but my father Lavan is a swindler and you will not be able to outwit him. He said to her, I am his brother in deception. That's what he meant, his brother. Achiv ani biramaut. I am his brother in deception. I can play his games. I can run with the best. If he's thinking, you think that he's going to outwit me, I can run with him. I am his brother in deception. Now, of course, he wasn't actually. Lavan got the best of him uh, with a little help from, from, from Rachel, from Rachel, handing over the the signs to, uh, to lay up, but, uh, but in the end, Lavan does get the best of him on that. Um, she said to him, but is it really permitted for the righteous to be involved in deception? Is this permitted? He said to her, yes, it is permitted when dealing with deceptive individuals. As the verse states, with the pure, you show yourself pure, and with the perverse, you will show yourself subtle. You can, you can uh, be a little cunning when dealing with someone who is a trickster, someone who's a swindler. 
So that's a verse in, uh, it appears in two places actually, in, in the book of Shmuel, of Samuel. And in Psalms, it's from a, there's a chapter that basically mirrors itself in, in the book of Samuel and the book of, of Psalms. It's a, it's a song that King David sang that appears in both places. In both places, he has this line that uh, with the pure, you will show, he's talking about God, that God, you know, with the pure, you show yourself pure and with the perverse, you will show yourself subtle. You, you, you deal with people as they are. And so we learn to emulate God. And just as God deals with the perverse in a you know more crooked way so so therefore it's permitted also that's what that's what Yaakov responded to Rachel I'm allowed to deceive your father because he's deceiving me but again well we have to understand why that is but but before we even get into that this just doesn't seem to fit with our profile of Yaakov Yaakov is supposed to be Titeng Ames Yaakov give truth to Jacob that's the verse in Micha this is the, 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 the man who, when he was young, we called him a Tom, we called him pure, we called him that he, he wasn't expert in tricking. He, he, you know, that was Esav's, Esav's job. That was what Esav was going at. Yaakov was, he was pure. What, what came out was what was inside. And then, but we see that throughout his life, that that's not exactly how things play out. There's an episode that follows this, that um, Yaakov ends up, cutting a deal with, with Lavan to get certain sheep and he, you know, the spotted ones, the speckled ones, he, and, and, and Yaakov basically pulls a move to so that all the, the sheep will give birth to whatever it is that he bargained with, with Lavan that he's supposed to get. He, he arranges that, uh, that the sheep should give birth in that way. Yeah, you could, you could argue that it's not tricking. He was, uh, you know, he, he had a right to do that, but it seems maybe a little bit of, of a, of a trick to 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 uh, to say I'm going to get all the spotted ones and then have you know a strategy to make sure that the sheep give birth to spotted sheep seems a little bit a little bit of a trick but that's what Yaakov does and then again like we said when he's running away from Esav he or when he when he meets up with Esav I should say he tricks Esav into leaving him alone so we see that actually Yaakov is quite cunning and the description as a tam a simple and innocent person whose heart and mouth are the same doesn't seem to fit the bill the description that we give him as the 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 forefather who represented truth representing ms doesn't seem to fit so how do we understand all of this that's going on in Jacob's life so before we really speak about Jacob specifically and these specific situations want to just go back again and look at the big picture of the the forefathers and each one representing something um, and how Yaakov fits into that. So so as we've mentioned numerous times, Avraham represents chesed, kindness. That was what Avraham excelled in, acts of kindness. But as we've said, somebody who is very kind if it's unguided, if it's uncontrolled, if it's unrestrained, it can actually end up in the wrong place. Kindness isn't always the best thing. A person uh, can uh, end up spending more money than they could afford and they end up, uh, you know, they give away all their money. Well, that's not good. It's not good for the person's own health. It's not good for his family or her family. It's not good because now they're gonna have to go beg other people for money. 
because they gave it all away. So, but they were so kind and so generous. Yeah, but there has to be with restraint. It has to be controlled. A person, um, a person may be very merciful. You know, they're so kind. So they're kind to even people who don't deserve it or who it's dangerous. You know, they're they uh, somebody who's cruel. We 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 if somebody if they're treated with kindness, that can end up you know end up hurting others. So it's not always the best thing to be kind. You could end up making somebody very dependent because you're so kind to them and not give them the ability to function on their own. So there are times where kindness has to, you know, it has to be restrained and is not always the right answer. So you need a little bit of givura, a little bit of strength, a little bit of restraint to, to, uh, to, to guide that kindness. Yitzchak was represented by Gevura, by restraint. He was able to hold himself back. He always lived, we said, with fear of heaven. Every, every decision was weighed. You know, is this the right thing to do? What if it's the wrong thing to do? Which is a very good attribute, but also can have negative consequences. A person may hold back too much because of that. Not won't be active enough, won't actually get things done as a result. Um, they may be too focused in on themselves. The, the, this, this trait of gavura, of, of restraint, is actually a very inward focused. It's, you know, how am I doing with my relationship with God, which is such an important question, but there also has to be looking out to others at the same time. A person can become too self-centered as a result of that. A person needs chesed, they need kindness. They also need to be looking at others. So it has to be done with the proper balance between chesed, kindness, and gavura, and restraint. And that is where this third attribute of MS, of truth, comes in. MS, truth, is what synthesizes the, all the other traits and makes sure that they are in the, you know, being, being uh, channeled in the right, in the right amounts with truth. Is it, is it true kindness? Is it true restraint? Is it, is it the right, the right dose, the right, uh, the right measure of each of these of each of these attributes, and uh, and that's where the 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 trait of of MS comes in. It's the ability to see truth, the ability to weigh things for what they really are, to 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 recognize is my kindness kindness, is my is my restraint proper restraint, is it really fear of of having, is this the proper path, and that's guided by kindness. And Yaakov represents the ability to, uh, to do that. And, uh, and the question is, where does, where does that ability come from? How does a person develop that? So there's a midrash, fasting midrash. We learned this midrash way back in a different series, in our journey to virtue series, when we talked about MS, about truth. And uh, if you look in source number six, I think it's a, just a very fundamental, actually. It's a little confusing, but it's also. So it says, the Midrash says, Rabbi Shimon said, at the time that the Holy Blessed One came to make the first human being, the ministering angels made themselves into competing councils with one group opposing the other. Some of them said, don't create humans. And the others said, create them. Some of the angels said, don't create man. Some said, create them. So it is written, a verse in Psalms, kindness and truth met against one another, righteousness and peace faced each other. That's the verse in Psalms. 
kindness and truth, not against one another, righteousness and peace faced each other. So what does that verse mean? So the Midrash interprets it. The angel of kindness said, create them, for they will do acts of loving kindness. So we have an angel of kindness. He says, create mankind, because they are going to do acts of chesed. They are going to do acts of kindness. Then the angel of truth said, do not create them, for they will be full of lies. The angel of righteousness said, create them, for they will establish justice. The angel of peace said, do not create them, for they will be in constant strife. What did the Holy One, blessed, blessed One, do? He grabbed up truth and hurled it to the earth. So it is written in the book of Daniel, you hurled truth to the earth. It's obviously very confusing and unclear what exactly is going on in this Midrash. But I, I know when I was reading it earlier today, I just noted, you know, we have an angel of, of kindness saying, create them. You know, people are kind. People love kindness. And it's, uh, it's true. People are just, people love justice. They seek justice. The question is, do they do so properly? Is it controlled? Is it restrained? Is it guided? Is it MS? Is it truth? Here the Midrash says, do not create them for they will be full of lies. While they will, might be loving kindness and they might be loving justice and seeking justice, but they're not necessarily going to get it right. It says, that's what it's telling us. They are going to be full of lies, full of, full of sheker is the Hebrew. They don't have emes, they don't have truth. So what does God respond? God says, he, well, actually it says he grabbed up truth and hurled it to the earth. And it's based on a verse in Daniel. So he throws truth to the earth. And what is this supposed to represent? So the Maharal um, explains that when it says that he hurled truth to the earth, that's referring to the giving of the Torah. He gave the Torah. It's true. Man on his own is full of lies, meaning we are human. We are, um, we are subject to our, you know, our traits, our, our attributes, our, our, uh, you know, our biases, all of that impacts our decision-making. And even when we're trying to do acts of kindness, it's done, it's, if, if uncontrolled, it's done with, with bias. We don't have, we don't know what's right necessarily and what's wrong, what's true and what's not true. We need something to guide us. How do we, how do we know? How do we know what's right and what's wrong? How do we know where to, where to draw the line? Where, what's proper, what's not proper? What is actual kindness, what's not? So we need something to guide us. Otherwise, we are full of lies. That's the Torah. God says, I'm, don't worry. I'm going to give them the Torah. I'm going to give them the Torah to guide them. And that will be, that will be how they will be able to make the right decisions. And that will be how their kindness will be guided. Their justice will be guided. It will be guided through the Torah. So... And then with the Torah, so we can develop our, 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 our traits, we can overcome our biases, we can, uh, and we can be guided as to what is a proper way to conduct ourselves and what's not. So now it makes sense that Yaakov 
is the one who is associated with truth. Because we also just learned that Yaakov was the one who was Yoshev Olim, he dwelt in tents. He studied Torah. That's what he did when he was young. And he developed this trait of, of truth, of emes. You know, there's a, it's interesting, actually. There's a, in Pirkei Avos, Ethics of the Fathers. So there's a Mishnah right towards the beginning. So I think somewhat famous, right? It says that the world stands on three things. Torah, Avoda, service of God, and acts of kindness. So many commentaries tell us that these are these three pillars of which the world stand on are the three pillars of the forefathers. So acts of kindness, that's Avraham. Service of God, Avoda, that's Isaac. Isaac Yitzchak was uh, almost a, an offering himself. He, right? he, was, he, was, uh, he, he was brought almost as an offering. He represents Avoda, service of God. And Torah, that's Yaakov. Yaakov represents Torah. And, uh, and that's what we see actually in this verse that we, from the, that we read about from Yaakov's early years. So you go back to source number two. It says, whereas Yaakov was a Tom, he was innocent. He was pure, dwelling in tents. Tom, we said, means pure. He was true. He was what, what, what was on the inside was what was on the outside. He was a man of truth. And he was dwelling in tents. He was learned, studying Torah. And that's where Yaakov develops a, uh, you know, the ability to, to know truth, to know how to conduct himself in, uh, in given situations. What's the right balance? Um, how, do you, how do you balance Gevura, restraint, with chesed, with kindness, and all the other traits. So, he, so, so Yaakov, from a young age, he develops this trait, this attribute of MS, of truth, through his Torah study. Now, I'm try, I was trying to, 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 to figure out where we see this emerge, where he conducts himself with the, with the proper balance. And I, I didn't like pinpoint anything specific. I have to, I guess, think about each of these scenarios more. You know, Yaakov, we, we have a tremendous amount in the Torah about Yaakov's life. We have so, he goes through so many different uh, complex relationships and scenarios. You know, he has, uh, he has his relationship with his brother Esau. He has the whole complex scenario with, with his wives and, you know, switching and, and, and the children. You know, Leah has six children before, before Rachel, Rachel has any. You know, these are very challenging situations. He has his father-in-law, Lavan, who's like a trickster and, you know, tricking him out of everything. He has uh, later, again, he, he meets up again with Esav. He has his son, Shimon and Levi, attack the city of Shechem. He has his, his son, Yosef, is ripped away from him for, you know, 22 years. And then he meets up with him again. It's just really complicated life, you can say. And, uh, and probably if we, again, I didn't go through and think about it so, so carefully, but I think if you go through those, all those scenarios, we don't really see Yaakov like mess up really, you know, himself. He, he, uh, he seems to have the, to make the right decisions in all of these relationships. Actually, maybe a little bit with Yosef, we get that he may be trying to favor Yosef, the sages say so much, but in, in, for the most part, dealing with very difficult people or very difficult situations, he seems to make all the right calls with Lavan and with uh, and with Esav and, and with his family. And uh, 
And perhaps on closer examination, we can see, we can explore if we can find that balance of, you know, how kind to be, how restrained to be, how to deal, you know, do we, do we, do we take an approach of justice of, you know, better of the law or maybe a more, uh, a more kind approach, perhaps um, for another time, or you can do that as homework, you know, try to consider that. But, uh, but, but this is the, this is the idea that, that Yaakov, through Torah study, develops the trait of MS, the trait of truth. And, uh, and ultimately, he perfects this. Each of the forefathers perfected his own trait. Um, and, uh, and ultimately, Yaakov perfects the trait of, of MS, of truth. And the way that, uh, that I saw one, one commentary explain the verse in Micha, it says, you shall give the truth of Jacob, that we, we can interpret there also that, again, in the Hebrew, it's titeng emes le-Yaakov, you give truth to Jacob, and that God granting him truth. And this, this is connected to an idea of Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato, who writes about a specific trait, but Rabbi Chaim Freelander, it really applies to all our traits that we're developing, that uh, the beginning is, is, is effort and the end is a gift, meaning that a person can never perfect a trait on their own, but if we strive and we work hard to perfect it as much as we can, God may grant us that in the end, the, the perfection in that area. And he says, that's what it's saying over here, that ultimately Yaakov, he worked on it and God graced him with that sort of that cherry on top, that perfection in this, in this trait of, uh, of MS. So now that we've developed that, now this kind of only compounds the question. So if he was so perfect in this trait of MS, if he re reached perfection, so how come it doesn't seem that way? How come we repeatedly see that Yaakov is engaging in subterfuge and trickery? It seems to go against his, uh, his, his best trait. Um, so I didn't see anybody put it this way, but this is the way that I was thinking about it which is that what we've described about chesed, kindness, and what we've described about gevura, restraint, and justice, and those traits is that you, you can have that trait, and then within that, there's an emes, there's a truth. So you can have kindness, but there could be a kindness that's not really a true kindness, meaning if it's misguided, then it's not true kindness. If it's, if it's off the mark, if it's not helping the person, you think you're helping the person, you're doing an act of kindness, you're not really helping them. That's not MS, it's not true kindness. In, 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 uh, in, in the trade of fear of God as well, a person can think they're acting in a God-fearing way, but it could be misguided. It could be that they're not, you know, they're restraining themselves too much, they're holding back too much, perhaps. That's a, that's a fear of heaven that's misguided, it's not MS. So I thought maybe one way we could put this introduce this is that maybe even within MS, within truth, there could be misguided MS. You, there's MS within MS. There's truth within truth, which means that there are times where the, the truth is not, is not the MS. The, 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 sticking to the sort of the letter of the law, the, the absolute truth is not the way a person of truth should, should conduct themselves in a given situation. You know, to, to take uh, the obvious example from, from this, what we've 
described so far. You know, Yaakov is running away from Esav. He needs to escape. He needs to go. He needs to save his family. So should he be in that situation? Should he say, I'm a man of truth. I'd never tell a lie. And therefore, I am going to tell Esav, you go on to say here, but I'm going to drop you on the way and, you know, and, uh, and get off a subway stop early to escape from you, right? Obviously not, right? That, that he needs to save his life. That would be, he'd be telling the truth, but that wouldn't be the proper truth. That wouldn't be the MS within MS. It wouldn't be the truth within the truth, meaning it's not the, it's not the true way to conduct oneself with truth in that situation. So a person has to be able to, to choose the, the true path within truth as well, within that attribute. That is the way that I wanna, that I, that I thought we could look at it. And, uh, and this is described by the different commentaries in, in different ways. Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky basically says it in this way. He says that, uh, that a person, even with the trait of truth, the person has to be calculated. So, he says a uh, very similar analogy. He says if a person is 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 being chased, and uh, you know he's he's being chased by whatever you know robbers, and uh, he runs into your house and he says hide me, you know hide me. So you you help him hide in the in the cellar, whatever. If you have a cellar, who has a cellar? Um, so you hide him in somewhere, and uh, and then the bandits come, the robbers come, and they say. You know, oh, is he is he here in the house? So you gotta tell the truth, right? You can't lie. Now, obviously, you lie, right? You lie in that situation. That that should be very obvious. So so the so the 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 trait, the attribute of of MS is with a calculation. It's with it's with thought. It's not just whatever a person should say should always be true. A person has to know when to hold back, a person has to know when it's actually proper to to use trickery. And there are times that that may be the proper course of action. So, so that's the first, the first point. Now, the way that the Talmud said it, the reason, you know, Yaakov himself says this to, to Rachel. She says, Rachel says to him, you can't deal with my father. He's a trickster. He's a swindler. So Yaakov says, I'm his brother in trickery. I can, I can, I can handle him. And what's his source? He says, because it says in, uh, it, he quotes this verse, obviously this verse comes from later, but the idea that, that he was familiar with was to emulate God's ways. God's, God also says with the perverse, I'm subtle. If somebody is, is a trickster, so I'm a trickster. So Yaakov says, if he's going to be a trickster, then I'm going to be a trickster. And uh, the idea explains Rabbi Shimon Schwab is that as a man of truth, so, so, you know, usually we say that the 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 end doesn't justify the means, right? But sometimes it does, like when you're seeking truth. So if somebody is, uh, let's say, for example, somebody accuses another person of something that's not true, and they're going to take them to court. And they're gonna, you know, they're gonna end the, the, the second person is gonna end up in trouble or or losing a lot of money or whatever it might be, because the first person is lying. Now the second person knows that. So they have to they they so so they have to get themselves out of it. Now for we we have to just for the purpose of the of the of the analogy, 
let's let's imagine that if the second person would tell the absolute truth in court, they would actually that wouldn't help them. They wouldn't get out of it. But if they bend the truth, if they tell a lie, if they make up a story, they'll get out of it. Now it happens to be they're supposed to get out of it. That's the truth, right? They're not they're they're not guilty. They're innocent. The other person made up a story, but in order for me to get out of it in court, I have to make something up. So, so in that case, we might say, now if you're if you're taking an oath, that's a whole different story. But assuming there's no there's no oath being taken, you're not taking God's name or anything. So it should be, you know, the, the person should probably again, court maybe is different. I don't know, but but I would think that it would be okay to, you know, to not tell the truth in that case. Because we're going to end up with the truth, right? The the what's going what's going to emerge in the end is actually the truth of the person's innocence in that scenario. So Yaakov says, when when you deal with somebody who's deceptive, somebody who's a trickster, then if you don't, if you're not deceptive back, then you're not going to end up with the truth. You're going to end up with a lie. Yaakov sold, Yaakov bought the rights to the firstborn from Esav. Esav sold Yaakov the rights to the firstborn. So who, so, and that apparently is what grants you the right to the blessing from Yitzhak, from Isaac. So who gets the blessing? It should be Yaakov. But Esav is about to take it. So, so is that truth? Is that MS? No. That's Esau being deceptive. That's Esau trying to steal the blessing that he sold. So what does Yaakov do? Well, with somebody who's deceptive, to bring about the truth, you sometimes have to be deceptive back. So it could be that this is actually Yaakov's trait of emes, of truth, in this case, is to trick back. Because that's going to bring about the truth. Because in the end, the person who deserves the blessing the person who has the right to the blessing is going to get the blessing. It's going to take a little subterfuge. It's going to take a little trickster, a little trickery, but he's going to end up in what will emerge ultimately is the truth. So that's, uh, that's another way to look at this. Um, and that's, that's what the, that, that somebody who is righteous, somebody who has the attribute of truth. So they might at times use they might at times use trickery, but only to ultimately bring out the truth. Um, I, you know, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, who uh, who I just quoted earlier, he's as as bring you know bring out this idea that it's not there are times when a person has to has to bend the truth. So his name was Yaakov, and actually his 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 book is called MS Yaakov, the truth of Yaakov, based on this verse in Micha that attributes MS to Yaakov. And uh, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky happens to be, was known for, you know, to be just like Yaakov, a man of unbelievable honesty. So, it, so at one point he was a rabbi in a shul, in a synagogue in Toronto. And his congregation once bought him as a gift, they bought him a silver Kiddush cup. And, uh, you know, as a rec in recognition of all he had done for their community. The next day, the, one of the congregants saw Rabbi Kamenetsky entering a pawn shop carrying the Kiddush cup. Now that was a slap in the face because 
they had bought this kiddush cup for him and here he was he was going to pawn it and to you know to sell it to, to not appreciate the gift that the shul had had gotten him so he told some of the other members of the shul what he had witnessed and the president of the shul called up rabbi kamenetsky to find out what was going on why was he pawning the kiddush cup so rabbi kamenetsky said no no i didn't pawn the kiddush cup he said you know i receive a salary from the shul i consider this a gift from the shul to be an addition to my salary and therefore it's taxable so i was going to the pawn shop to find out how much the cup would be worth so i would know how much i need to report on my taxes in addition that's that's honesty that's ms that's truth that's unbelievable um i don't you know that that somebody would do that but at the same time Rabbi, Rabbi Kamenetsky, you know he could engage in a little this is a, there's probably a better story, but this is a pretty good story, I think, to bring out a little, little trick trickery that he he engaged in. One time, um, the story was told over by one of his sons that uh, his son um, was visiting with his father, and uh, and his father and his father, Rabbi Kamenet, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, asked his son to uh, please stay. His son was in his 40s at this point. He said, please stay. I want you to be here. There's a father and a daughter coming to speak with me, and I want you to be present while they're here. Okay. So he didn't really understand why, but he, the son said, okay, if, if that's what you want, so I'll stay. Um, you know, usually it was the opposite. Usually if somebody was coming to discuss something, so the rabbi would not want others present because they wanted people to have their privacy. In this case, he asked his son to stay. So... Uh, so the two came and uh, he he chatted with them. He asked how they're doing, you know, he asked what, the, you know, what, what school the daughter goes to and different, he had a nice conversation with them. And at some point in the conversation, he patted his son who was in his forties um, affectionately. And he said, you know, oh, this is my little baby, Avraham. So, and then he continued the conversation and then the visit was over and the visitors left. So, so the son, Rabbi Avram, he was, uh, he was, he just, he was very confused. Like, what just happened? What was this all about? Why did he want me to stay? Um, you know, his father never referred to him as my little baby, and now he was in his forties. It just seemed very strange. So, so he said, "What, what just happened?" So Rabbi Yaakov explained. He said that uh, I want you have to know what just happened. This father and his daughter, she's the youngest in her family, and they had a very good relationship. And, uh, and, and he got, and the father was a, you know, a guide, and she, she, she learned from him, and she absorbed and accepted what, what he taught her. And everything was going well, until one day, the father introduced her to a friend, and he referred to her as my little baby. And she was the youngest in the family. Now she was very embarrassed by this, and uh, and basically from that moment on, the relationship began to go downhill, and uh, and eventually it reached the point where they were barely talking, and they were concerned about you know what would happen to the, to her, what would happen to her relationship with her father, so so the father had come and had asked Rabbi Kamenetsky what to do. So Rabbi Kamenetsky said, "Why don't you bring her? Why don't you come visit with me, and you could bring her along," and. Uh, 
And when the father, when the father told his daughter about the visit, so she was excited, you know, to go see the great rabbi, Rabbi Kamenetsky. So she came and they had this conversation. And, uh, and, and basically he told her to come, the father to come specifically when his son, Avraham, would be there, this 40-year-old son, he wanted him to be there for this very reason. And, uh, and, what, and what, and the reason was so that he could say in front of her, refer to his son as my little baby. And indeed, when she left, she, she told her father, she said, I see, Dad, that even Rabbi Kamenetsky called his son his baby, even in front of strangers. And he's already a grandfather. The, you know, the, the, not the son, but the, probably, but, uh, but so, so apparently it's just an expression of love of a father to his child. And from that day on, everything, you know, was fine again between her and his father and her father. So it's a, I, I saw the story. I said, that's, it's a trick. He totally set her up for that. Right. He, he tricked her into thinking this. He doesn't call his son his baby. It's, it's, is that, is, is that MS? Is that truth? Is that, He's 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 tricking her. That's the kind of trick that is MS. You get to the truth. The truth is that these two people, the father and the daughter, should have a proper relationship. There's no reason that that relationship should have broken down over such a thing. By pulling this little trick on her, the the truth, the MS was was restored, and that was a trait that Rabbi Yaakov had. <clears throat> One other point we should make about all this is that you know we 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 mentioned with Abraham so he excelled in kindness so where was he tested he was tested on his kindness he was tested in situations where maybe he had to restrain his kindness certainly you know the the binding of Isaac bringing his song as an offering went against everything that he stood for so it makes sense the commentaries point out that Yaakov who excelled in the trait of MS would be tested on that trait, how he would respond, how he would, would he be able to maybe break from that when necessary and not hold the line and not hold to the very letter of the, you know, down to the, to the, to, to the letter of truth when, when appropriate, that was a test for Yaakov. Would he be obsessive about truth or would he be able to, would he be able to guide it properly? Would there be MS within his MS? Would there be, there be truth within his truth? Will it be fully developed? Because to really develop perfection in truth, you have to not just always say the truth, but sometimes not say the truth. Sometimes be able to know when it's proper, when the, the truth is to not say the truth, when the MS is to, to not say the exact truth. So that's where Yaakov is tested. So, uh, so just in the last few minutes, let's go back to Yaakov and his encounter with his father. And... Uh, and look at a couple of things here. So, um, let's look at some of the verses. So, if you go to source four, um, let's just read through these verses, and we'll we'll go from there. So, so, um, sorry. Uh, source number four. This is chapter twenty-seven. This is eight. Yeah. Yitzchak, Isaac, tells Esav, I want to give you the blessing. Go out and do some hunting. Bring back some food. I'll be in a good mood and I'll give you a good blessing. So the verse says, verse 5, chapter 27, but Rebekah, Rivka, 
overheard when Isaac spoke to Esav, his son, when Esav went to the field to hunt game to bring it. And Rivka said to Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I have heard your father speaking to Esav, your brother, saying, and she tells him what he said, that he's going to give him the blessing. And now, my son, hearken to my voice, to what I am commanding you. And she tells him, you know, you're going to take the blessings. And Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esav is a hairy man, whereas I am a smooth man. My father's going to realize the deception. Perhaps my father will touch me and I will appear to him as a deceiver. I will bring upon myself a curse and not a blessing. And his mother said to him, uh, Me is your curse my, curse, my son. Only hearken to my voice and go. Take them for me. So he went. So basically she says, Don't worry, you'll put on these hairy garments and, and all will be all will be well. Now, the, in that verse 13, so the, the Targum Unclus, the translation, the Aramaic translation of Unclus, which is, you know, about, uh, dates back to um, probably about 2,000 years. Um, so it's a early, early, um, and some say the tradition actually goes back even further than that. So the, he explains over there that she was saying, upon me it was setting a prophecy that no curse will come upon you. But what she's really telling him is that, I, that she had a prophecy that you should go and do this. So Yaakov is, has to deceive his father, but he knows that this is what God wants. His mother had a prophecy. It runs against, it goes against his grain. It goes against his trait of truth. He's being asked to deceive. But this is what is, is, was told to him in a prophecy. So besides for what we said before, that he's that through this deception, the truth will come out. And maybe that speaks to his attribute of truth itself. But, uh, but also, there's, this is God's will. So whether, you know, whatever you, you think, this is what God wants. So that's, that's the right course of action to take. And that may go against his, 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 own, uh, his own trait, but that's what he needs to do. Just like Abraham went against his trait to, to sacrifice his son, his trait of kindness. But God said, so he's got to do it. So this is the same thing over here. Um, and it's hard for him. He struggles. The, in, if you look at verse 12, it says, perhaps my father will touch me. The Hebrew is ulai, maybe, perhaps. The thing is that ulai usually implies something that he wants to happen. But the word, you know, maybe where you don't want it to happen is pen, which means like lest, lest he touch me. This is more like he wants him to figure it out because it goes against, it's a struggle for Yaakov. It goes against what he believes in. He almost wants him to, to discover him. But ultimately he goes and he, he puts on the deception. Um, <clears throat> the Zohar says that before he goes in, he said a prayer. Before he went into his father, he prayed, save me from lips of falsehood from words of trickery. What was he saying? He's praying, you know, I understand I have to trick my father, but everything that we do has an effect on us. The way that we conduct ourselves has an effect on us. Even if it's the proper thing to do, to trick, to tell a lie over here, to pretend to be someone he's not, that's going to have an effect on him. If you look in the last source on the third page, number eight, the Sefer Achinach, the book of mitzvah education, he writes a very fundamental concept. You must know that a man is influenced by his actions and his heart and all his thoughts always follow after the actions that he does, whether good or bad. So if Yaakov is going to tell a lie here, he may 
again, it's, he's supposed to. It's the proper thing to do. But that can have an effect on him. This is Yaakov who has perfected the attribute of truth, of, of MS. Is he going to walk away still a perfect in that way? Or will he be tainted now? Will he, will he be, his, his attribute be somewhat, uh, somewhat damaged, not as pure after this moment, because a person is, is influenced by the way they conduct themselves. So that's, that's the challenge here. That's part of the test of Yaakov. He has to, he has to almost infringe on his trade of truth, but will he be able to, to maintain the perfection that he has developed? And so he says a prayer, the Zohar says, to that, that he should, that it should not affect him. <clears throat> now, when he actually comes in, so again, flipping back to source number four, look at verse 19. So it says, actually verse 18, he came to his father and said, my father, and he said, here I am, who are you, my son? So verse 19, and Jacob said to his father, I am Asa of your firstborn, I have done as you have spoken to me. Please rise, sit down, and eat of my games so that your soul will bless me. So he says, I am Asa of your firstborn. This is Yaakov talking. He's not telling the truth. He's saying, I am Asa of your firstborn. So Rashi comments, he meant, I am the one who is bringing your food, you food, and Asa is your firstborn. Now, obviously, Yitzchak didn't interpret it that way, right? Because he said, I am ace of your firstborn. But in his mind, he's thinking, this is not, I am not saying I am ace of your firstborn. I am saying, I am the one who's bringing your food and ace of is your firstborn. Now, what's the point of that? What's the point of that? At the end of the day, he's lying to his father. He's tricking his father. The answer, says Reb Chaim Friedlander, is he's doing it for himself. For himself, he's not telling a lie. Because he doesn't want that to have an impact on him. He wants to remind himself, although I need to, to bend the truth here, I don't want that to affect me. This is something I've perfected. The way that we talk, the way that we act is, is impacts us. And therefore, Yaakov, he, in, his, in his own mind, he's thinking, this is what I'm really saying. I'm not lying. I am Yaakov. And Esav is your firstborn. And that way he maintains his level of truth. That's how Reb Chaim Freelander explains it. Okay, so we said, we said a lot tonight. Um, try to just summarize a quick run through of what we said. We saw that, uh, that Yaakov engages in numerous occasions in what seems to be trickery. He tricks Esav, you know, you go ahead, I'll wait back here. Um, he tricks his father Yitzchak into thinking that he's Esav. He says he's going to deal with love and with trickery. Maybe he does a little bit unclear, but you know. But but how do we reconcile this with Yaakov's attribute of of emes, of truth? Titeng emes Yaakov give grant truth to Jacob. So the answer the answer is first of all. We said that, that we, we built it up that Yaakov, first of all, developed the trait of truth through his Torah study. That's how a person develops truth. That's how a person develops MS. That's what guides a person in their acts of kindness to act truthfully, to act properly, to make the right decisions in kindness. That's what can guide a person to make the right decisions in fear of heaven. 
And within truth itself, there's truth. Within MS itself, a person has to know what's the, what's the true way to conduct oneself with truth. And that's, that's where, that's, that's how we can understand how Yaakov makes his decisions here. Sometimes you don't tell the exact truth. It makes, sometimes it, it's not the right thing to do. Certainly if it's going to be dangerous, if somebody is dealing with somebody who's a trickster, so a man of truth wants to bring about the truth. The end justifies the means sometimes. We want the truth to emerge. So we, if somebody is being deceptive, we may have to be deceptive back in order to bring out the truth in the end. And that is, but only for that. We don't, we, we don't want to maintain that truth, that, that falsehood, but sometimes a little bit of a trick, a little bit of a falsehood might be necessary to bring about a truth. Like in the story with Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, where he, he tricked this girl into thinking that he calls his son, my baby, to bring about truth, to bring about the, the relationship that should have been there the whole time between her and her father. And that's what Yaakov is doing throughout. He's restoring truth. He's, he's if, if Esau is going to try to take the blessings from him, when, he does, when Yaakov deserves them, he could trick back to get them back because ultimately, ultimately the truth will come out that way. If Lavang is going to conduct himself with trickery, I'm his brother in trickery. I'll trick him right back because that's going to bring about truth. But it's not easy for Yaakov. Yaakov has perfected this, this trait. This is where he excels. This is the test as whether he can do it. His mother even tells him it's a prophecy. You have to do it. You have to trick your father. It's hard for him. He struggles with it. But, uh, but in this case, this is, the, this is the proper conduct to take. But again, because Yaakov has perfected this, the part of the test is, will he be able to emerge unaffected? Will he be able to emerge without having, with, with being as true as he was when he came in? And in order to do that, he's careful. He's mindful. He takes, he says a prayer. I want to emerge with, you know, don't, don't let me be someone of, of falsehood. And he's careful in his own mind to, uh, to, you know, to justify sort of to himself. I'm not lying. Because if he's lying, then that could affect him in the future, becomes a part of him. I can teach him, I can, for myself, at least I could be telling him the truth. That way he can emerge afterwards with still with the perfection in this, in this trait of MS, the trait of honesty and truth. All right, stop there.